Hello and welcome to Tommy Talks, the weekly podcast bringing you inside St. Thomas Athletics, where we'll get to know those who wear the purple and gray. This week, we are joined by senior thrower Parker Fearborn from the men's track and field team. He talks about how the transition from Division Three to Division One inspired him to get better. The creative writing major also shares a poem with us. We talk about his favorite music as well. You can subscribe to Tommy Talks on Apple and Spotify, and if you love it, please give us a five-star rating. Now, here's our conversation with Parker Fearborn on another edition of Tommy Talks. So, Parker, you've been with uh, St. Thomas. This is now your senior year, uh, and you're a thrower. I am. Uh, How did you get into throwing? That seems like um, a pretty specific area of track and field. Yeah, it started in middle school. They basically told you got to throw a heavy ball as far as you wanted. And I was like, I went home and I was like, Mom, I get to be a cannon. Like, this is going to be the coolest thing ever. (laughs) I ended up being all right at it. Um, And then I, like, quit all my other sports and just started doing that. What did you play before then? I was in basketball. I was, like, left bench, just, like, the worst ever. I tried to play football. I had asthma, so I couldn't run a whole lot. That's why throwing was nice. I didn't have to move a whole lot. Just do something for four seconds, and then I'm done. Yeah, the emphasis on the field aspect of track and field then for you. Oh, yeah, I, I tried to run like once, and they're like, you should probably just throw. Yeah. I was like, all right, that sounds good. Because you have good size. How tall are you? I'm 6'5". Six 6'5", five. Six five, and you have some good size. You look like a thrower. Mm-hmm. Um, so then basketball, did they try and shoehorn you into the middle? Were you always a big dude? Yeah, I've always been big. In high school, we focused a lot on, like, three-point shooting, and I can't shoot to save my life. So they're like, you should just, like, sit and watch and cheer on your teammates. I said, all right, sounds good to me. (laughs) All right, so then you you decided, I'm going to throw things, and it's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was your first experience like when you finally took it on? Um, It was awesome. I, like, placed first in the meet in the shot put, and I was like, yep, this is it. I didn't know what I was doing, and nobody else did. That's probably why I won. But ever (laughs) since then, I was like, I'm I'm good at this. So then I, I just kind of stuck with it. And you never ripped your elbow apart because that's the biggest mistake people make when they first pick up a shot put, right, is try and throw it like a baseball rather mm-hmm. than kind of shoving it up there. Yeah, no, I, I definitely ripped everything apart in my arm. I was, <laughs> yeah, did it wrong a lot. Um, luckily, we kind of practiced near the same time as some of the high school guys, so I watched them and figured out how to do it without getting hurt. So take us through what a thrower does because it's what – Tell us all of the different events you'd participate in. So now I just do hammer and discus. Okay. I did shot put in high school. And those are the three main areas for a thrower? Yeah. You can do jab, but those guys are a lot more specialized. Yeah. That seems like a three pretty different motions, four different motions. Mm-hmm. What do you like better, hammer or discus? Hammer. Why? Um, Eric Holst, school record holder, was a teammate of mine my freshman year. And just watching him throw is just, like, the most awe-inspiring thing in the world. It's just insane to watch it. And it goes so far, so you just feel so cool every time it happens. With a shot put, it'll go, like, you know, 60 feet maybe. Yeah. With a hammer, it goes 200. It just It's way cooler. So yeah. I just, I just started having fun with it. You get to watch it soar, and it mm-hmm. kind of spins out there. Yeah. And when the shot put lands, it's kind of like it's – it's mm-hmm. just kind of defeating, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Just get a little puff of – puff of dirt and that's it yeah that's it and you're like man that was a lot of work for 60 (laughs) feet uh the hammer throw what is your personal record my best right now is 63 17 
America, everything's measured in meters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that translate to? In I feet? have no clue. Okay. I've been trained out of feet. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I was looking at some of the uh, uh, track stats, and I'm like, I don't know what any of this means, because meters mean nothing to me. Yeah, they don't really mean anything to me either. Yeah. It's just what everything's in. So then uh, hammer throw and discus, because that's mm-hmm. a completely different motion as well. It is. And what do you like about discus? I, I really don't. <laughs> you just do it. <laughs> I just keep doing it. Um, <laughs> I I told my coach, I think two weeks ago, I was like, if I throw it far enough to place in conference, I'll keep throwing it. And then I just accidentally threw really well that day. And now I'm stuck with it. <laughs> Sounds to me like you kind of wanted to keep doing it. No, 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 no. I was ready to hang it up at the beginning of the year, but it's not up to me. Okay. So this is four years in now. Mm-hmm. And so you got to experience it at division three and division one. Yeah. Let's go through that process a little bit. When you first heard that St. Thomas was going division one, what were your thoughts? Uh, I started freaking out. Good I, or bad? I, bad. Yeah. I was like, man, I am not good enough to do this. And then I sat with that for about a week where I was like, this is just not going to be it. I'm not going to be ready for it. You know? NDSU is at its prime of just being insane, and that's the conference we're going into. Um, and then I just sat down, and I'm like, I don't want to suck. So then I just started working out a lot during the summer, just trying to get stronger. I mean, everything, my weights, my, how much I weighed, everything just jumped over the summer. I was like, I have to be competitive. It's amazing how much capacity we have, right? When we yeah. think we've reached our end, it just really takes something else to spur you beyond that. Absolutely. If it wasn't for D1, I would never be where I was at. Yeah, so then you make the transition to Division One. What surprised you, or what was uh, maybe cooler than you expected, maybe not as cool as you expected? Um, I mean, the coolest part's just the meets, to just go, and, and there's a different level of passion. In D3, you can kind of, like, do it for fun, and you can be on the team, but in D1, I mean, these, these dudes are for real. You're mm-hmm. going up against guys that they're going to go to the trials when they're done with the season. And that's just a different feeling. It, f- it feels cool to get beat really bad by somebody that's really good. You know, you <laughs> yeah. lose in D3 and you're like, man, I probably could have done that. But you lose in D1 and you're like, yeah, he's, he's, he's top in the world. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, I think, th- I think probably the, the thing that I liked the least um, was just that our roster got just annihilated. Yeah. We had like 80 something guys last year. We scored in, every conference event it was crazy i mean we blew conference out of the water it was so much fun and this year i think we're down to like 32 guys and it's just a lot of guys that i knew for you know those three years are just they're just gone yeah you know that's just how it is yeah the camaraderie though that that comes with sports it's unbeatable Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah And, and you miss out on that um so let's talk a little bit about off the track off the field if sure. you will um you're a creative writing major uh tell us a little bit how you got into that well um i mean i was it was an accident honestly like most of the things in my life i came here for astrochemistry um i don't even really know what that means but i, was, I wanted <laughs> to do it it sounded cool because uh, um, i was gonna ask but <laughs> yeah no i couldn't tell you um and uh, I was in chemistry class and I I just was sitting there and I was like, man, I can never do this again because everybody's like, oh, you know, next class is organic chemistry and it's gonna be way harder. And I said, I can't do this one. So I yeah. should, I should try to reevaluate. And that next week uh, I was in my, just the generic 101 English course. And we started reading, um, Kaveh Akbar calling a wolf a wolf. And it's a recovery narrative, uh, collection of poetry. And it just, it, it was really good. I didn't appreciate it at the time. And I accidentally packed up my bag too slow. And my professor was like, what do you think of this poem? Because we talked about it. And I was like, uh. Um, 
it's really great. You can like, you can almost feel the words and he's like, Oh, beautiful. I love that. So then he started calling on me all the time. And then eventually I was like, well, I guess I'm stuck with this. So then <laughs> I just got really good at it and got into it. See, it's a good thing you were at D3 because if you were at D1 at that time, you might have packed up your bag quicker. Oh, yeah. And you might not have fallen into that. And I would be still stuck in the pain of STEM courses yeah. which I could never handle. Uh, did you get into astrochemistry because of the astro part of it, like stars and yeah, yeah. I really I originally wanted to do astrophysics. I wanted to do chemistry and then go into like the physics end yeah. um, after those are two we talked a little bit about this before the podcast but those are two very different parts of the brain yes um have you always been able to be good at using both parts of your brain no 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 it just Uh, blossomed here i was just better at math and stuff in high school so i'm like "Ah, i might as well do that and then i figured out english is, is actually pretty pretty subjective and it's pretty open to like your own interpretation and you get to like be who you are within that field and and i fell in love with that pretty quickly were you a reader growing up? Oh, no. I still don't read. Really? Reading is like one of my least favorite things. But you do like the re- – what is it about the writing? Is it finding that right phrase, the right word, making it all come together? I think I think for me it's, it's really cool because when I write it just kind of happens. Mm-hmm. And then I read it after and I'm like, hey, like where did that come from? Like I, these aren't thoughts that I normally have. Um, yeah, it, it's just like a, a little creative journey. It's It's good to figure out where you're at. You know, yeah. When you speak with other people, um, do you find yourself speaking kind of in that same mind that you use to write poetry? And because and, sometimes I get wor- into words a little too much. Nobody would ever know that from hearing this podcast. But <laughs> um, and I realized that I've completely missed what I was trying to say because I got too fancy with the words. Uh, do you ever find yourself getting into your poetry brain while you speak? No, it, it's really separate. I have to do a lot of like calming down um i I have a little practice that i do and i write i i found like a generator online or i'll ask a friend or somebody around me for just like three or more words and then i'll create the poem out of that because i don't like i always felt like i was forcing words onto a page Mm -hmm. and it just felt like derivative and like it was garbage but when words were presented to me i kind of got to to watch them fall into the story or the poem differently and that that changed everything for me where else do you find inspiration for your poetry? It, it really just comes from the words, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I love philosophy, so I like anything abstract or, or really kind of complicated to think about, something you can kind of wrestle with. So trying just trying to watch those words wrestle with each other and, and see where it goes is just a lot of fun for me. Yeah, that feels like a combination between the math brain and the English, the writing brain, philosophy, and all of that, the complicated subjects, wrestling that. Do you have a favorite philosopher? I I don't have a favorite philosopher. I like anybody with an interesting idea that kind of pushes the boundaries a little bit. Yeah. Anybody that people's like, oh, you really shouldn't pay attention to that. You really should. I'm like, I want to read that. That's kind of <laughs> what I want to know. So yeah, if you want to get Parker interested, just tell him it's forbidden. Exactly, and yep. then you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, do you are you comfortable reading a poem for us? Sure, I can absolutely do that. Yeah. Um, So the poem's called uh, What the Fisherman Spoke to Me Once and Never Again. This small boat was something of a blue alabaster, or at least I think it was, at a time long removed from now. A good boat's paint never lasts longer than the hull's curiosity, or so I have been told. Something I heard one time reminded me of the ocean, of all those sinners with waters in their belly. I've even heard at times you can hear them sing, Sing to be released from the bottom and float to the top. 
it must be awful dark in hell. I assume it lies under the water, and that's why the ocean is black and churning, a mixture of the melancholy vessels and water. It must be torture, or so I think at least. Rumors say bodies are even caught where no ships have crashed. Do they move in the dark? But it would be irrational to believe that a body that big is without hope, right? Maybe they're all just fish to be caught. I'll see you again someday. Or at least I think so. But do remember one thing. Like barnacles, we will latch onto something and go somewhere else. Maybe even hell under the water. I hope I don't feel you in the dark. And with that, he left into the fog. That's pretty cool. Take us through the inspiration for that poem. Oh, um, so that was, my girlfriend gave me three words, or four words, and they were blue, torture, alabaster, and ocean, I think. Yeah. And then I just sat and looked at them for a minute, and then it just all came out at once, and I was like, huh, that's not bad. Yeah. So then I read it to her. Um, and she started crying and I was like, this, this might be a good one. Maybe, I, maybe <laughs> I should appreciate this one a little bit more. Yeah. How many drafts do you do on a poem? Something like that. It, it was that just it, like you get it down and then you leave it alone. Um, this is, this is actually one of the only ones that I've ever really revised. Usually I don't share them. I just kind of write for myself so they don't have to go through heavy revision. This one I, I submitted to the summit Avenue review um, so I edited it just a little bit, just changed some word choice, allowed it to like flow a little more. It was kind of choppy at first and I didn't like the way it sounded completely. Yeah. When you, when you go through the flow of a poem, is it, do you read it out loud to find that flow or are you able to find it as you are writing it? I like, I like to read it a lot of times. Um, words with like Germanic origins have like really hard stops. So I try to not use a bunch of those. I like to go with like the more Latin root words. They just kind of like flow out of the mouth a little prettier. Um, and especially like when talking about water, I wanted to kind of seem mellow, but with like the content matter, just kind of be like rough underneath the surface. What do, how does that poem, that poem speak to you? Um, I, I can't relate to it a lot, actually. I, I hate the water. I hate the ocean. I don't like to be anywhere near it. Um, because there's all those dead bodies in there with their bellies full of water. Yeah, that, that actually I actually stole that from one of my own poems that I wrote earlier. I just kind of liked the way it sounded. It's a yeah. little ominous. So I was like, oh, I should just throw that in right there. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like I just watch the words do what they're supposed to do. I don't feel like it has to relate to me as much. I feel like the words will kind of put themselves where they need to go. So you're, you're not thinking, you're just in the moment. Mm -hmm. Are you like that when you're competing as well, athletically? When I'm throwing well, yes. Yeah. Yeah, when my head's empty, I have a good throw. When I'm trying to think about what I'm supposed to do, I, I suck. That's uh, pretty true about most things <laughs> I have found, <laughs> that uh, the brain can sometimes get in the way. So then what's next after you're done throwing? Um, Well, after this year, I'm going to – uh, tend to graduate program to continue throwing and then after that i want to throw post collegiately and then once that's run its course i, I want to be a throws coach okay and you can teach english or something if i have to yeah <laughs> <laughs> you just want to stay out there on the field and just write for yourself forever yeah um in, outside of poetry do you ever write like short stories or anything like that no i i can't write anything else yeah. i like i like po well admittedly i'm horrible at spelling 
that is i'm just like the worst english major ever um <laughs> i don't like to read i can't spell but the thing i noticed with poetry is that my lack of understanding like grammatical convention and things like that people saw as like an artistic choice like mm -hmm. a, oh very interesting why are you choosing to do that and then i used my my skills of making things up on the spot and then people think i'm this very abstract poet and it's really just because i don't know how to spell and i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> so it just kind of works well yeah we don't want to give away all of your secrets on this podcast but that's true like you don't have any uh you're not bound by any preconceived notions mm -mm. you can just do whatever you want just see what happens yeah that's really great. I love that. So why St. Thomas to throw, but was what else about St. Thomas drew you to it? Um, well, when I came here, um, I met with Steve Mathry, the head coach, and I just looked at him and I said, am I going to be able to throw here? And he said, you'll be throwing right away. And from the word go, I was like, let's do it. I'll, I'll give you my 100%. I just want to throw. Yeah. And has it paid? I mean, I guess when you get to you start here, and then all of a sudden you get to end up as being a Division One thrower, it probably went better than you could have even imagined. Oh, crazier than my wildest dream! You know, I thought I had some success at D three, and I thought that's where it would cap out. But you know, having this D one opportunity and being able to show up is—I mean, it's been life changing. It's been crazy. Where's your favorite place on campus? The ring. Yeah, that's where I'm at all the time. And that's right over. I'm pointing, it's an audio <laughs> broadcast, but over by the baseball field, right? Correct. Um, how many hours do you think you've spent there, your career here? Uh, I don't even know. I mean, two hours a day for four years. Yeah. Whoever's good at math can help me there, but, I mean, a lot of time. Is that, like, your comfort zone? Like, once you reach that whole area, you're there, you're comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty anxious throughout the day, especially towards finals and everything like that. But when I when I when I'm on the track, I'm just I'm calm. That's where yeah. I'm supposed to be. It makes me feel good. And poetry the same way, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, so outside of the ring, do you have another favorite place on campus? Where's I guess where if you're gonna write, where do you like to write? Um, I like our library actually. It has half floors that are just empty. There's nothing in them. They're super quiet. And I've been in there a few times and just sat in the quiet. It's yeah. really nice. So when you write, you prefer quiet? Or do you like a little something going on in the background? It has to be quiet. Because I don't like anything interrupting, like, the thought process of it flowing out. Because mm -hmm. I'm not thinking, but anything in my head would kind of work its way in. And I just want it to be the way that it's supposed to be without my intervention. Are you a big music fan? I love music. Yeah. Do you listen to the way that they sing and tell the story and the po poetry in the lyrics yeah a little bit um my favorite band the 1975 um i it's it's poetry i mean it's really what it is it's just beautiful lyrics um and and that's made its way in you know they have a very beautiful way of describing sad things and i think a lot of that is is what we do every day so i, I try to have my poetry reflect that have you ever used it as a emotional release Music, uh, music, or and or poetry. Oh, all the time. Yeah. In my in my angst of first coming to to college in that sophomore year, um, definitely all the time, all the time. Yeah. And where are those poems now? Somewhere. Hopefully burned. <laughs> hopefully nobody ever has them. Actually, my girlfriend has all of them, so hopefully she lost them. Yeah. Well, you better be nice to her if you're really uh, <laughs> oh, ashamed of all of those poems because uh, they can put those out real quick. Oh, yep. I'm 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 great. So uh, you'll have to forgive me for not knowing it, but uh, the 1975, what genre genre of music is that? Oh, 
that that that's a difficult question there's there's really nothing like the 1975 it's kind of like alt british pop if i had to like throw something out there they're a british based band okay um but phenomenal yeah i'll have to go check them out what else do you like music wise um 1975 is what i listen to and i'm just trying to like stay calm but if it's like before i get in the ring any any kind of rap music is, is yeah. what i'm blasting or tool i'm a big tool fan I yeah have to listen to it um they're my favorite that's for a sure. good answer yeah they're my favorite and those lyrically like i was listening to their latest album and um there's entire stanzas where they don't rhyme at all it's just a story it's and it's crazy yeah it's so good i just went and saw their concert and it was it was worth it yeah oh, it was awesome i'm really jealous of you because i wanted to go and i just couldn't make it have you seen them before no that was the first time yeah is yeah. it a it's a show it is an experience yeah it is crazy uh their new stuff and i say new because even their latest album is a couple years old but mm. you know it's epic right like yeah. 10 minute songs do you like their newer stuff better or their older like angstier angrier stuff angsty angry all the way <laughs> opiate is just the pinnacle for me i yeah. love it it's pretty good uh the song sober is one of my favorites it's a classic yeah that one um in a non-podcastable story i can tell you that story about when i first heard it <laughs> uh favorite food do you have a favorite food um yeah i do i eat buffalo wings literally every day every day i mean it, it's a problem like you'd think <laughs> i had an issue i i go to target and i buy their like popcorn chicken mm -hmm. throw in the air fryer take it out toss it in hot sauce i mean i probably eat two or three bags of it a week so it's the buffalo sauce that you're it's for real yeah so it doesn't matter what it is as long as the buffalo sauce is there I'll you're not it. yeah you're not mixing up the flavors at all no no are we going to get a poem about that, maybe? Never. No. Nope. <laughs> you don't mix food and poetry, no. huh? Mm -mm. That's probably good. Because the stains on the side of the paper from the buffalo sauce. You'd never sauce. be able to read it. No, you never would. Do you? Uh, what are you watching on TV or, or streaming these days? Um, I'm watching through Naruto right now, Naruto Shippuden. It is, it's long. It is long. It's, okay, so my son is really into it. My son is 10 years old, and I can't quite keep track because he's got a lot going on. Is that when he's a teenager or when he's the kid? It's when he's a teenager. When he's a teenager. Mm -hmm. Okay. And those, I mean, those shows are pretty epic too. Yeah. What is it about them that draw you in? Um, actually, my best friend, uh, Gage O'Brien, he was a thrower with me here. He started watching it and I gave him a bunch of crap for it. Right. Because uh, why are you watching a cartoon, dude? Yeah. We're in college. And then I started watching it and I was like, oh, this is sweet. And then we started talking about it and then we've just been watching it ever since. Yeah. Uh, how's your shadow, shadow clone jitsu? It needs work. Yeah. Yeah. My Sharingan's much better. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, <laughs> when you look back at your career here at St. Thomas, well, let me get to that question later. I want to jump back a little bit. Sure. Do you have favorite sports teams? You grew up here in Minnesota? Now, I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, okay. When did you come here then? forever ago we yeah. jumped around a lot um in my childhood lived in louisiana tennessee kind of all over the place lived in eden prairie when we first got here and then moved to saint michael where we've been for the last little bit yeah what why did you guys move uh my dad's job yeah he does uh scaffolding and okay my grandfather had a scaffolding company here so we moved up and followed and 
did you like moving around when you were little or I mean because now I would imagine now you have a different view of it now that you have experienced all these different places versus when you're little and you have to go make new friends all the time yeah when I, when I was younger it was hard to make friends I've never been like a big people person to begin with so it was really hard to like make friends or fit into a certain group but then it just got to a certain point where I got good at it because I had to be mm-hmm. so then once we finally settled down it, it was kind of a blessing in disguise yeah and maybe that's where your hot sauce roots are from that Louisiana yeah. Always, I've been. My mom used to put Tabasco on my tongue when I was bad as a kid, and she didn't know I liked it. So <laughs> now we have two problems. Yeah. See, there you go. So now you're misbehaving just so you can have a little of the Tabasco. Exactly. Man, it always back backfires on you. <laughs> Remember that as a parent. When you become a parent, what you think is punishment, they might end up liking. I will keep a note. Yeah. Okay. So now well, let's get to this. Uh, when you look back at your career at St. Thomas, uh, what are you most proud of? Um. You know, obviously, I think I've had um, an exceptional throwing career for myself. You know, I've far exceeded everything that I thought that I could do. Um, but I think what I'm most proud of is, is just being there for my teammates and my friends, um, you know, specifically like Meg Gerke. We came in together. Uh, she's a thrower, a friend of mine. Um, we're both graduating this year. Um, it was our last home meet together just yesterday. That was kind of crazy to just like yeah. look at all that we've done together. You know, um, Eric Deville, Demo Mercedes. I'm sure I said that last name wrong. He's Greek, my little Greek freak. Um, <laughs> but you know, th- just watching those guys compete and then having me cheer cheering me on, just like when I'm competing. I mean, the the teammates here are just unforgettable. It, it's been great, and it's something that I'm going to miss a lot moving forward. Yeah, there's nothing like that camaraderie. There's no doubt about it. Uh, well, really appreciate your time, Parker. It was great catching up with you. I'm going to give you three words for the future. Okay. And then you can um, you can use it or not. All right. Uh, chicken wings. Okay. Uh, tool and ring. That's going to be a hell of a poem. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> and I hope that you uh, that you contact me and, and let me uh, let me read it because I think it'll be pretty epic. Sure thing. Uh, best of luck to you. Good luck next year uh, when you go on to graduate school. And uh, looking forward to – tell us again where your poem's going to be uh, seen. Uh, the Summit Avenue Review. It releases this Friday. That'll be May 6th, I believe. Indeed, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> May 6th, the Summit Review. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. Best awesome. of luck to you. Thank you. I appreciate your time.